So we're going to pick up the story that Portia read us in chapter 4. It begins, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, Well, what's in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. The Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into the staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand in your cloak. And when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the Nile River will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, we come to you and ask for your insight, ask for your understanding, ask that you might open our hearts and minds to what you would have us learn. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So here, many of us are familiar with what's on the screen, the burning bush. Many of us have studied this either as adults or as children. I remember as a child even coloring the you know, outline of the burning bush. The burning bush is an attention getter. It's kind of like if you see an advertisement, it begins with something really big. Get your attention. It's there to you know, draw you in. And sure enough, it draws Moses in. It's simply a common thorn bush, and he's simply a poor shepherd. But he turns aside to see what it is that is happening. And only when he turns aside, then God is going to speak to him. And the first thing he says is, hey, wait, don't come any closer and take off your sandals. God is holy, and he wants us and Moses to recognize that. But God goes on and says, Moses, and Moses says, here I am. And he says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face. Because 
he was, knew he was sinful. He knew that the God of the universe, the God of his fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was holy, and he knew he wasn't. He knew that he had committed various sins. Now, we also commit various sins, not that we do it intentionally, or perhaps we do. Some of them are small. Some of them are simply sins of omission. Some of them are small sins. When was the last time you speeded on the freeway? God asks us to follow the rules, to obey what it is we need to of the laws. And so Moses knows he's sinful, and he's afraid. But God doesn't leave him there. God says to him, I've seen the misery. I've heard them crying out. I'm concerned about my people in their suffering. You see, God is not some God who's up there and he sets the world in motion and then goes off to do whatever it is God does. No, God is a God who is with us. Yes, he is separate from us, but he also cares about us. And that's what he's saying here. He cares about the Israelites. He cares about their misery, about the fact they're crying out to him, about the the suffering that they are going through. He is concerned about us, too. He's concerned about what we're going through or what we're challenged by. He's concerned about how each one of us is going to live our lives this afternoon, tomorrow, throughout the week. God is concerned about us. God is hearing us. If we are ones who are suffering, he is compassionate towards us. If we are ones who are puzzled, he gives us knowledge. One of the greatest things that we as Christians today is that we have God in us. It's called the Holy Spirit. We don't have to worry about, gee, can we contact God or not? We have simply to listen to the still, small voice, which is within each one of us. And so God tells Moses, I'm concerned about my folks. And so here in verse 10, he says, so go I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, God is asking Moses to go back to a society that, quite frankly, he ran from. If you remember earlier in Exodus, he happened to kill an Egyptian, and he thought the Israelites would be all happy about it, but they weren't. And so he fled to his father-in-law up in the desert, and he becomes a shepherd. Which is kind of a come down. Here was Moses. He had been raised. <coughs> he had been raised in the house of Pharaoh. So he was raised in the king's house. It's like being raised at Windsor Palace or something. And now he is fled, and he comes to be a shepherd, a lowly shepherd. Shepherds were not particularly respected. They were needed. But, you know, they were out there on their own with the sheep. Sometimes people weren't quite sure about them. But he is chosen, and he is sent to Pharaoh. Now, Moses is not entirely convinced. He says to God, well, who am I that that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And so here's the first thing that God tells him. God tells him, I... I have sent you, and it will be a sign, because you and the Israelites will worship on this mountain. So that's his first sign. But again, Moses isn't convinced. Moses says to God, well, suppose I go to the Israelites, 
and say to them, The God of your father sent me. And they ask, Well, what is his name? So here's the second one. God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you just say. I am has sent you. Okay, so we've got the sign of worshiping and we've got the name. But again, Moses is not convinced. Because he says in chapter 4, well, what if they don't believe me? Or listen to me and say, the Lord didn't appear to you. You're just imagining things. Don't worry about it. Just, just go have a drink of water and you know, calm down. But the Lord says to Moses, well, what's in your hand? And Moses says, a staff. Now, a staff is something that all the shepherds had. Often it had a hook on the end. And the staff was used for a number of things. You could lean on it when you were tired. You could use it to get a sheep out of a ditch or something. You could use it to direct your sheep. It was a very useful tool. And practically every shepherd carried one. So Moses has a very common kind of tool. And the Lord says to him, well, throw it on the ground. And so Moses does. And when he throws it on the ground, it becomes a snake. And he runs runs from it. And the Lord says, well, reach out your hand and grab it by the tail. And when he does, it turns back into a snake. So that's the third sign. The sign of the staff turning into a snake. And he says, the Lord says, now you're to do this so that the Israelites can believe that the Lord of the God, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. You see, Moses is trying very hard to figure out what's happening. And sometimes when God calls us, we're trying to figure out what's happening. We're trying to think, okay, he wants me to do this. Or he wants me to call somebody. Or he wants me to go somewhere. I'm not quite sure about this. And Moses wasn't sure about it. But God gives him three signs. And God says, remember the faith of the patriarchs. Remember how Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac. Remember how Isaac leads his country and goes to a far-off land to get a bride. Remember Jacob who is certainly unsure, but Jacob is the father of the 12 tribes. He's asking Moses, he's asking his people to remember their fathers, to remember the patriarchs, to remember how God has been faithful in the past and God will be faithful in the future. But apparently that's not enough. The Lord says to Moses, put your hand in your cloak. And so Moses does, and he takes it out. And it's leprous. Now, leprosy was, at that point, a disease that was feared by most people, and there was no cure for it. All they could do was kind of put them off in a special place so that they didn't contaminate others. And so he suddenly has a leprous hand. And then God says to him, well, put your hand back in your cloak. So he does, and he pulls it out, and it's restored. So that is the fourth sign. So we've got... He's going to go to the mountain. He knows God's name. He knows the staff can turn into a snake. And now he knows that his hand can be leprous and be cleaned. And the Lord says, now, if the Israelites don't believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. 
But if they do not believe the signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it out on the ground, and the water will become blood. Now this is a foreshadowing of the kind of blood that is used by the Israelites because the Israelites continue to suffer. And then God says to them, well, take the blood of a lamb you've killed and put it over your doorway. And that way the angel of death will pass over. That's how our Jewish friends get the term Passover. They will pass over your house and kill the firstborn son in other houses. So all of this is to show the Israelites that Moses is in fact God's sent messenger. Moses, however, is not convinced. In verse 10 he says, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to me. Lord, I am slow of speech and tongue. How many of us are unsure when we're in a situation? We're not quite sure what do you say. We're not quite sure how to convince somebody. We're maybe a bit slow in trying to get our message across. And Moses is concerned. And so he raises this problem with God, and God says to him, well, who makes you? You know, I'm the one who makes your mouth. I'm the one who makes people deaf and mute. I'm the one who um, gives them sight or make them blind. And he says, now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. You see, God is still asking Moses to go. He is still sending him. And despite Moses' objections, he has answered with a number of things. He's answered by worshiping on the mountain. He's answered with his name. He's answered with a snake and the staff. He's answered with (coughs) the leprous hand. He's answered with the blood. And now he's answered with teaching. Wouldn't it be great if you know you were going into a situation that God has promised to teach you what to say, to direct you? Well, you know what? He has. He has promised to help us. That's the whole point of the Holy Spirit. He's there to guide and direct us if we will but listen. Now, God has confronted Moses, and Moses' six objections don't seem to hold water. Because in verse 13, Moses says, O Lord, send someone else to do it. How often have we said that? How often, despite the fact we know God's kind of urging us to do something, we go, well, you know, send somebody else. I'm not equipped. I'm not ready. And it's only with this seventh problem that God gets angry. Because God was willing to reason with Moses. Moses comes up with all these reasons, and God answers them, and God gives miraculous signs to Moses. But in the end, Moses says, send somebody else. I don't want to do it. So the Lord gets angry, and he turns, and even still he doesn't condemn Moses. He turns and he says, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well, and he's already on his way here. In other words, despite Moses' reluctance, despite his uncertainty, God continues to help him. God has given him all of these signs and then gives him his brother to help so that Moses can talk to Aaron, and then Aaron can say it eloquently 
and well to those who are in authority. Now, this is kind of a two-edged sword because if you read farther in Exodus, you'll find that Aaron is, is not quite the upstanding person that you might want him to be. He's human like the rest of us. He actually is the one who builds the golden calf instead of worshiping God. The Israelites worship that. And so God is only angry after Moses says, send somebody else. You see, Moses is unwilling to go. He's able to go. He can do it. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, walking from where he is down to Egypt. But he doesn't want to. So God resents him that he doesn't want to serve him. But even still, he doesn't reject. He reasons. And that's the way he is with us. So that even when we know God is calling us to do something, even when we know that God is the one who is directing us, who will be with us, who will actually give us signs that we know will help convince people, who will teach us what to say, are we unwilling? How do we respond? Do we respond the way Moses does? Oh Lord, send somebody else to do it. Or are we willing to respond and let God send us where he wants us to go? Amen.